0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coids app now from the App Store and Google Play.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening, and that means leading from the front around the captain's armband is Cole. So, Cole, I hope all is well, mate. How have you been this past week?
0: Yeah, not too bad. That's kind of the middle of the week. Around that sort of time wasn't a particularly good time for anyone, was it? Um, But then I suppose we we finished it on a little bit of a brighter note. Um, But looking forward to getting into this one and the usual sort of therapy session.
1: Yes, they are becoming all too usual as of late. But at least it ended on a good note for the week. And that also means we're joined by James. James, you're back in the frame once again. How have you been since we spoke a fortnight ago?
2: Yeah, very well. Very well, thank you, Dan. Um, As Carl said, a little bit of a better better result to talk about this time round. Especially good for myself, being surrounded by Brummies, being surrounded by Villa fans. So uh, very happy for myself,
1: yeah. Glad to hear. And also, last but not least, is the return of Brendan from the Cheese Room Podcast, who I believe have the pleasure of interviewing ex-Spurs midfielder Sandro on Monday morning, that's Brazilian time, so Brendan, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that?
3: Sure. Hey Dan, Carl, James, good to to chat with you guys again, thanks for inviting me back. Um, Yeah, it was great, I I did a Brazilian Spurs podcast last week or the week before, and um, they had Sandro on before, so I got his contact that way, and yeah, this morning up bright and early at 6am to chat away with Sandro. He was superb, like everything you'd expect. He was funny, he was humble, he was charming. Uh, actually, did and thanks for sending in questions. James's question, I did ask him um, which goal he preferred, the one against United or the one against Chelsea. And he did say the United one because it it was the better of the two strikes, I think, because it it was just perfect. Um, but yeah, he um, was very honest about. His time, he clearly loves Spurs. Uh, it was great to, to speak to him. And uh, some funny stories in there as well about uh, antics in the shower with Peter Crouch doing the robot. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was good fun, for sure.
1: Nice one, Brendan. Right, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect the last week and more, and a lot more, in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Common New Spurs app, where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at C O I S underscore COM, and on all the major audio platforms, that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know, and I'll get it sorted for you. And if you're listening on Apple, don't forget to leave a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business, and that business takes us back to Thursday night first, and Carl, if the job was only half done by the end of the Europa League first leg, it is completely unfinished seven days later.
0: Yeah, it was unbelievable, wasn't it, Dan? Um Went into that game, you know, after the first leg, kind of felt quite confident that we'd probably gone and done enough in the home game to kind of see us through and kind of thought that, you know, the way things had worked out with that Arsenal game being, you know, after the home game, thought, well, that's great because, you know, there won't be no travel or everything involved. We can play the big guns, get the game done and dusted there. And then we thought we'd done a reasonably good job at 2-0, didn't we? And I don't think anyone could have foreseen the sort of performance that was then about to unfold before us when that game kicked off. Um, you know, it didn't start brightly, but you thought, well, OK, you know, we, we although we're not playing brilliantly, haven't started that brightly, we, we look to be reasonably in control. You know, we've, we've had plenty of the ball. They looked lively, but you weren't worried. But then the game just, you know, suddenly just started going downhill as the minutes ticked on, um, And you just kind of, like I say, even before they scored, the way things were going and the way the performance was going, you just started to worry that we're going to create our own problems here and cause ourselves a night of one of those nights of pain where, you know, it should be a lot simpler than we're making it. Um, but no one could have foreseen what was about to come and that turnaround and how bad the performance was Um, and it was one that just kind of left you you know, shocked and bewildered at the final whistle and actually more than anything just embarrassed that we'd managed to throw that away Uh, and in what was a competition that we really should have been sitting there being one of the favourites to go all the way at least to the final and if not, go on to win it.
1: So James, where does such a result come from? Because if you look at the first leg, I mean, on this show, we were a little bit dismissive of Zagreb's talents when we sort of recapped last week. I was quite guilty. I only gave it about five minutes because everyone else thought job done, as did I. But if there was a criticism of the first leg, it was not putting them to the sword, getting that third and fourth goal, perhaps. However, even with 2-0 in the bag, you're going to Zagreb, you should be relatively confident. If anything, quite highly confident. So how does it all fall apart?
2: Complete complacency. Um, I think, you know, the players probably went into the game with the same mentality that, that we had about, you know, 2 nil job done. Um, but, you know, that, that's a, a fairly obvious answer to the question. You know, you'd like to think that this level, pre- uh, you know, professional footballers, Premier League footballers, they're, they're not going to let their standards drop the way that they let their standards drop um but you know that's that on the surface of it that's that's the obvious answer is that is that we we completely uh you know thought the game was won um you're you're absolutely right you know we should have had the game won the, the, the tie won in the first in the first leg you know some of those chances that we that we missed we knew that they were going to come back to to, to bite us um in one way or the other maybe maybe I think the the most we probably thought was that it'd make the le- the second leg a little bit a little bit edgy um little did we know that it was going to be just quite that bad for, for me i i i i would have loved to have seen us go out there and and you know score early and that would have absolutely killed the tie with the away goal as well so it's it's a question that that we were all asking ourselves you know how has this actually happened you know even even going into extra time you think well these guys are going to have surely have the fitness levels um, you know to to see this one out, but again it wasn 't to be and certainly uh some some questions that needed us uh you know answering and uh yeah it's it's it 's probably one of those those games that 's going to go down in history as as a big big chance missed because you know look at look at the 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 run that the, some of the other teams have had to to the latter stages of the competition you know that there 's teams there who who we would really fancy ourselves against. Uh, and and if it is you know one of the one of the British teams that that goes and wins the competition now, then we're going to be absolutely kicking ourselves that we didn't put ourselves in 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 uh, in the pot for it. Um, not a nice game. Uh, not a game that I'm going to be rewatching the highlights of. Uh, yeah, not not good. Uh, if you ask me.
1: Well, I had to watch the highlights this evening just to refresh my memory. Ever the professional, but yes, it was a a bad eight minutes of viewing. But Brendan. James mentioned complacency, which is exactly the kind of word I had in my notes. So he's bang on the money there. But also, could you say that Tottenham froze when going 1-0 down? Certainly froze when they went 2-0 down. Why did the fear set in?
3: It's a good question. The, um, the selection of the players was, was a key goal. I mean, playing the double pivot of Sissoko and Winks, so we've seen it time after time. That's not going to work. It? And from the front as well, Harry wasn't pressing. And so I think that the pressing starts with him. Uh, the first goal, you kind of have to accept that was a great hit by Orsic and they happened. Maybe he had a bit more space than he should have. I think it was Aurier that, that showed him inside and he, he hit a wonder goal. This second goal was what was frustrated me the most because it was just so lax. There was, there was no one was picking up their man in the centre, the, in the box. And it was just comical defending. It was the basics weren't being done. And from when it went to 2-0, like James was saying, and Carl was saying, we just needed that one goal. And I don't understand why we didn't just go for it right at the start. The first half was so boring. They didn't have much either in that first half, but we were awful. And second half comes, and then there was almost a sort of feel of inevitability after that first goal went in. You're right, the players froze. They just didn't look like they believed it. They didn't look like they wanted it. And Zagreb's desire, we have to give them credit their desire saw them through. They're not a pushover. I think at this stage of the Europa League, you're not going to get. It's probably the, the second I think statistically, the second easiest team we could have got. But even then, they're not. They're not chumps. They are a, a professional team, and if you're not psychologically ready to face them and and physically ready, they'll they'll take advantage of that. So it was, even by our standards, though it was it was crazy how it how it unfolded. Um, and is is up there in, in one of the most embarrassing nights, in our, certainly in our recent history. I, I've recorded a podcast straight afterwards, and I don't think I've sworn as much as I <laughs> ever have in a pod after that. It was just diabolical.
1: Yeah, I think it's on a par with um, Tottenham 3, Man City 4, when we were 3-0 up, and they come back with 10 men and one in that cup game. But we move on, because, Cole, when you look at the goals conceded, Brendan has just referenced two of them. If we're honest, it was a very, very good hat-trick. The second goal was more us switching off. But I want to get your take on the winning goal. Should there be just any form of leg or just take him out, clatter him, do what you need to do? Where's that lack of, you know, intensity that's needed at that moment?
0: Yeah, I think, like as you say, and Brendan said, the first goal is one of them that you just have to sit back and go, well, you know what? those goals come about every now and then. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, that that's probably, the guy probably won't hit another one, a better one, anytime soon. Um, but the two other goals are just that case, aren't they? Of not being professional, not following runners. And the third goal, Dan, like as you say, now you kind of look at that goal and some people go, what a run, you know, what a amazing run, and then a great finish. But as you say, from a defensive point of view, you're sitting there thinking... You know there's three players in that defensively that you can sit there and say just take him down if need be at one point you know you're now potentially just trying to see this game out and you know i don't know a lot of the time in extra time you're just thinking you don't want to make a mistake and we might take the chance with the lottery that comes with penalties but once you know the guy is starting to get a bit of momentum going one of those players at some point has to say, listen, I'm just taking one for the team here and I'm just going to bring this guy down, stop the move, give everyone a chance to reset, get back, get back into covering positions. We reset. They get the chance to stick a ball in the box, we know, but you should feel confident with with the players on the pitch and if you set up right, you get a better chance to clear that ball. But no one does. You kind of just... And again, it just kind of smacked at a whole... Um, feeling of that night, didn't it? Which was just lazy players not wanting to put themselves, you know, you know, sweat blood for the calls and, and do what they needed to just to make sure they get themselves through. Um, and unfortunately, you know, as we're saying, it, it seemed to be that those players all just did stop thinking the way that footballers should stop thinking at certain points and you know again like as you know we always said in the documentary didn't it Joe say you know saying I want players to be clever cunts, and and that's a period and a point in a game where you need one of those people to think hang on let's just be a bit smart here just bring him down because he's looking a little bit dangerous here and we're looking a bit leggy bring him down stop the game chance to recover and we'll go again but I think it just, as I say, as, as we've said already before, it just summed up the attitude and the mentality of most of those players, I think, on that evening.
1: Now, James, once again, we only really turn it on when we're up against it. So we had chances, both in regulation time and extra time, but they all count for nothing. So it's not really, you know, how much you create and all that. It's really what you conceded beforehand.
2: Yeah, and, and we shouldn't need that that shove. You know, we sh- we should be a team with full of attacking talent who wants to go out and wants to show that. Uh, and it, it shouldn't be a reactionary thing. We shouldn't be thinking, look, when we've got our backs up against the walls and hang on, lads, we're about to get embarrassed here, um, that we should we should change up our tactics. But it's something that we've seen all season. Um, you know, look at games, you know, just a one off the top of my head, games like Crystal Palace away where we've, you know, it's only been after the where it's been 1-1. Um, where the players have thought, Oh right, okay, we should probably go and uh, and go and do something here um you know and then when we do that that 's when we create chances and we and and that just gives you you know i 'm just perplexed, left absolutely baffled as to why we don 't do this throughout the game you know it, it's It just makes no sense you know and and the thing that that is a little bit strange is that you know there 's all these comments out there, Joe whether it be jose or whether it be the players you know. They're not being told to sit back. Supposedly, they're not being told to defend. They're they're being told to go out and play attacking football. So you know, who do you believe? You know, you'd, you'd like to think that that you know Jose isn't isn't asking them to to sit back and defend, and you think that these players would actually want to go out and attack because they're they're attack minded footballers and they're you know they it it just would make no sense for them to to do you know to to want to defend um so again it comes down to to who you believe in terms of uh, in, in terms of you know whether they're being told to defend or sit back but but like i said it, it shouldn't come down to it shouldn't come down to uh you know us us going 1-0 down or us being on the verge of being embarrassed to uh, to, to come out and play attacking football we should want to play like that from the start i just i, I don't understand
1: it Well, you mentioned Palace as an example, another recent example, Arsenal, you know, down to 10 men and all of a sudden there's a spark lit and we're turning it on, but it's too much too late. With that in mind, Brennan, how much of that performance overall and the meat showing against the Arsenal, how much does that play on the minds 96 hours later and should it?
3: Well, you'd expect a reaction. It was strange. Like North London derby, the players shouldn't really need that much motivation. It's a, it's a huge, huge game for us, for the fans and should be for the players as well. We were just very meek in that game as well. And uh, again, it, I don't like to criticise Harry too much, but he he didn't have a great game against Arsenal or, or, or Dynamo. He wasn't pressing, wasn't leading by example, which you want to see from him. And so Arsenal, the game was disappointing. We uh, the highlight is obviously the Rabona, um, but but again, it's it will be forgotten because of the result. And Arsenal deserved it. And again, as, as with the Zagreb result, it looked like they wanted it more. It looked like they had a plan. It looked like they they had pride. And and the lack of that in those two games uh, is is a concern. Is well, have they down tools? At all because Mourinho says, his coach is a manager. Um, so it. It just it, It's baffling that the players should need to be motivated more than, than they are because this is a North London derby. It's our biggest game, one of the biggest games of our season, one that we always look out for. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a worrying lack of, of, of bite and fight from our players.
1: So, Carl, after such a result and a performance in Zagreb, there's always going to be a fallout. The fallout was nuclear, let's be honest. The knives were going out in multiple directions. And there's two rounds of comments that I want to get all your opinions on. So if we start with Hugo Lloris and his insight into the dressing room and all of that. Carl, what did you make of it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it is refreshing to hear, isn't it? Because, you know, the one thing that I quite often hate after nights like that is, you know, and we've as Spurs fans heard this far too often over the last few years is when players come out, and seem to do the sort of usual, we'll learn from this, we go again, you know, on to next week. And, you know, as a fan, you start to just say, listen, I'm getting a little bit tired of this because how many times do you need to learn from this sort of lesson? Because it's happened on more than one more than one occasion and most of you are the same squad by now. So you'd like to think that before the game, is like, right, lads, listen, remember... Remember what happened last time we had a game like this? So, definitely not have that again. You know, or the, we go again, you know, we'll put it right in the next game. So, like, there's no putting it right in the next game. You know, even this weekend's victory doesn't put right what went on that night in Zagreb. You know, it doesn't make up for it. You know, as fans now, I'm not sitting here going, oh, well, we scrapped that one off then. That doesn't matter anymore. That was still an embarrassing night and one that's not good enough from this club. So, it was Good to hear Larice come out. And obviously it shows you there is a little feeling in there and the camp is obviously kind of split. You know, there obviously isn't a completely happy camp because as he was saying, you know, there's certain people not pulling their weight, certain players with the, you know, who don't have the right attitude because they're not um, getting games, regular games or that. And it was good to hear because, you know, sometimes... You know, obviously, if Jose comes out and says that, then I think the easy thing is all the players turn and say, Well, as Jose, you know, the manager's lost the team. But when the captain comes out and a player like Hugo, who you can imagine is quite respected throughout the whole squad, you know, he's not going to come out and throw people under the bus for no good reason. So. I think all the squad there have to look and go, right, or actually, yeah, he's calling a few of us out right now and you need to react. So I guess the only good thing is it wasn't the same usual rubbish that we hear after some really bad performances. You get the impression that, yeah, all is not right. And as we probably feel, I think as well, that result and those sort of comments help towards the fact that you know, you need to have a good clear out in the summer and there are certain people not pulling their weight and, and don't need to be around the club if you want to progress. So that that uh, that post-match game, I thought that kind of, you know, was something I was glad to hear and one that I think will have some repercussions come the end of the season, hopefully.
1: So James, you referenced comments a few moments ago. Anything to add on Hugo's?
0: Not at all. I, I completely
2: agree with Carl. I, I think, you know, Hugo Lloris gets a lot of stick considering he's Tottenham captain Uh, and a lot of the time it's because he you know he's not as vocal enough you know people people see you know Harry Kane shouting at everyone on the pitch and they think you know he he should be our captain Um, and then when Hugo comes out and makes comments like these which you know he's, he's he's not just called everyone out you know he took responsibility himself too so you know it's that's what you'd want from your captain and it, you know i'm absolutely with carl if 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 we'd seen you know players coming out and saying look we we'll make it up to the fans we go again next week you know the, the pr team kind of social media um you know teams that 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 produce this this waffle week after week um then I'd have been I'd have been very upset but, but you know the the reaction from Hugo, he you know, you could tell his choice of wording was perfect, it was disgraceful. Um and you know, it it was it was refreshing to see um that he was that he was, he was upset by it too. Um rather than, you know, simply just just producing the same waffle that, that every other footballer seems to produce when they uh, when they when they have an interview after the game. So good good to see for
1: me, I think.
3: And Brendan, any input on the goalkeeper? I agree with with both James and Carl there. It was refreshing to hear not the usual sort of cliches that we get. It was revealing as well. And you you can see from the selection as well for the Aston Villa game, the players that you'd think would be in that click that aren't really pulling their weight. I think our first 11 are determined. I think our first 11 are uh, the, the right sort of players that Jose wants. But I think those fringe players, so you're looking at Winks, Dele Alli, even Sissoko, uh, maybe Doherty. There are certain players that aren't pulling their weight, and, and it was very telling from Hugo uh, to hear him say that. I thought it was a fascinating uh, interview to give. He was he was passionate. You could tell he was like the, the words was a, a disgrace. He, you could see in his eyes he, he was not happy, um, and yeah, it, it, it told. We saw in that Aston Villa game with the lineup and with the players that were omitted. Look, there, there is a serious issue with the, within the squad.
1: Okay, then let's now focus on the manager's comments. Brendan, I'll start with you this time. What did you make of his Zagreb words post defeat?
3: They were like, honest. I think it's one of the first times I've heard Jose apologise. He wasn't apologising from him. I think he was apologising to the fans overall. He wasn't taking blame, uh, which is what he never does. Um, but he, you could tell he he, he wasn't happy. He, I. I don't recall him throwing players under the bus. Uh, I think he did that in his selection against Villa. Um, but the, apolog- the apology was what we all wanted to hear. And um, it was a rarity for Jose to uh, to give us that. Um, I'll be honest, I recorded right after the, 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 the game. So I, I just saw, I didn't see the interview at the time. So I just know what I, I read up on afterwards.
1: That's all right. James, anything to add on
3: that? No, I mean, uh,
2: jo- Jose... His his post match interviews are are something I, I make a habit of of not letting myself get drawn into. Um, if I can avoid them, like the, yeah, you know, then I will like the plague because he like like Brendan said he he's never going to accept responsibility. He he tries he tries to to make it look like he you know he's he's accepting responsibility. You know the whole my team thing, my team. Um, I just find it very very difficult to to really take that take that seriously and take that uh as gospel. Um you know I I I still don't believe that he does see Tottenham as his club. You know um the John Terry social media post after the Villa game, you know, if you know your club, you know that there's not a good relationship between Tottenham and Chelsea between Tottenham and John Terry. Um you know i i'm still i guess that that kind of is a is a different debate as to whether you know you're you're fully team jose if you're half team jose if you believe that he's he's at tottenham for the right reasons etc cetera, etc cetera. um but without going into that you know his his post match interviews for instance after after the uh, the european game um I, I I just don't I don't like reading into what he's saying because I think he's he's quite reactionary, um, and and also I think he he struggles to kind of get to the point and it's it's kind of a, a bit of a, a difficult listen sometimes it's quite cryptic and um, yeah it, it was you know, rightly said there that he he made he, he might not have thrown players under the bus that night but his his selections since then have have shown who he who he has faith in and who who he believes have let us down. Uh and you know, there's there's a, that's gonna raise a few eyebrows. people are gonna look into things like starting lineups. Um but yeah, I if I can avoid those post match interviews then then I, I would rather do so because uh because it's not something that I I really wanna I, I wanna get drawn into.
1: Carl, were you surprised that he wasn't as barbed as it could have been, perhaps should have been, you know, after such a poor performance, or is it a case as James has alluded to, it's more about actions on the Sunday rather than words on the Thursday.
0: Yeah, I, I, I actually agree with James. You know, to be honest, there's been a lot of times recently where I've just switched off the telly once the game ends because, you know, that thought of hearing Joe say come out with some cryptic nonsense to try and explain a performance or, you know, like the boys didn't have a happy soul today. And, you know, he's trying to come out with lots of stuff where you just think, you know, just shut up because you're trying to come across like some, you know, you're overly intelligent and more, you know, intelligently superior to us, the fans. And, you know, there's all these reasons why the team didn't play well. And you're just thinking, you know, just come out and say they didn't play well. We didn't play well. I maybe got it wrong in my selection or this didn't work the way we wanted it to. Um, so you do switch off a lot of the time. I guess in after this game, probably when that final whistle has gone, I'd imagine what there was at the same point was a kind of reality of like, right, he's probably had enough time to realise I need to go and make drastic changes here. And, you know, I've been maybe trying to get get, a, get around this for a certain amount of time and keep the change in and everything. So maybe obviously where you might expect he comes out and throws his players under the bus after a game like that, maybe he'd had enough time to realise, right, I'm not going to do this in a pre in a post-match press conference I am just going to do this now in my next team selection and I'm going to start making some changes to this squad and certain players are not going to get another look in anymore Um, I guess the other thing that you kind of always wondering when you're listening to his post-match games. And I sit there and think, you know, the Arsenal game and this game were two examples where you sit there and go, now we know he's not going to come out and say, I told the boys to sit back. But I think the one thing we're all curious of at the moment is, what are the tactics? What is the game plan? Because you've had two games there where we have come out and not seem to want to be on the front foot and attack teams and try and take the game to them until it was too late and the game was kind of gone and the momentum has shifted. And then all of a sudden, it looks like, oh, actually, we need to do something now, so start attacking. And all of a sudden, we start playing some really good football and looking dangerous. So there is an element where you're thinking, well, hold on. Is this a tactical approach? And if so, that must be coming from the manager. And are the players trying to obey the manager's tactical instructions until they've either reached a point where they say, well, actually, sod this, lads. Let's just go for it now because we're losing. Yeah, you know, And that's where I think you find it hard to know how to take these interviews because you don't know whether or was that the game plan and it just didn't work. And now you're just going to try and come out and, and say, you know, come out with any gobbledygook to try and get away with it rather than, as I said, just coming out and saying, yeah, we got it wrong. Um, so that's where I think there's a an element of dubiousness at the moment around whether, you know, are are they playing Jose's tactics and it's not working and we're sitting there thinking, is this a manager now that the game has kind of surpassed and moved on from? Or is this just the fact that the players are are not doing what they are being told to do through, you know, a number of things, you know, quality, not being good enough, not having good enough football brains and knowing what to do in certain situations. So I think that's always one. Just lately i'm on I'm on the fence to want to see you know what is the call root cause of this problem that we've been suffering from because you know there has to be I, I i'd admit you know the players have to take a big chunk of responsibility, but at the same time so does the manager because listen, look at this kind of football. On a weekly basis, teams like Brighton and Fulham are playing um, when they've got the ball. So you can't tell me that a manager can't have any influence on his team and the way they play and the way they approach games because we wouldn't look at those squads and say, oh, they're much better than ours. That's why those teams can play that sort of football. Um, they're being coached at on a daily basis and that's being drummed into them and in that philosophy. So I, I believe there are some problems there with Joe saying his squad of players. But I think there's a mixture that we've probably, you know, personally, I feel we've probably got a manager that the game has, has passed. And we've also got a lot of dross in this squad right now that just aren't good enough.
1: OK, next week we're going to do stick or twist. So I think that's going to be a really good topic to revisit about the dross. But let's move on now because there was a good end to the week, thankfully, and that's the win at Aston Villa. So obviously I want to focus on the game and also the wider implications in terms of the what is now the final quarter of the season so I'll go back to you Carl I don't know about you but I think personally Tottenham are how do we put this drinking in the last chance Premier League saloon for me they're going to have to win every game between now and the end of the season now that sounds really hefty a 10 game stretch which started on Sunday can you look at it as 10 cup finals in isolation and just knock off one at a time
0: You'd have to look at it like that. Unfortunately, from our point of view, this being Spurs and cup finals, you wouldn't better get <laughs> well... to win then, would you? <laughs> you know, if you go into it with that mentality, we could be in a really bad position. I think the biggest problem we've got, Dan, is I think we've probably given ourselves too much to do. um, Because as you say, you've got to go on a momentous run right now. Um, And personally, looking at that team and the way we're playing, I can't see us being consistent enough or good enough to get those results across the line in all of those games. I mean, we take the game against Villa, Yes, we got the three points, but was the performance a standout performance where you're going, well, that's more like it. You know, if we play like that on a weekly basis, there won't be many teams that can stop us. Thankfully, in the first half, Villa without Grealish are a kind of toothless animal, aren't they? Um, and on on another day if you were playing someone like City in that first half and the way we were defensively, you could have been four or five down by half-time and then you're just looking at damage limitation. Um, So I'm not confident that we've got it about us to go on a run like that. I think we could probably string two or three results together, but then we'll come unstuck in a couple of games. um, And obviously, as we say, right now you can't afford to slip up. But There is still a slim possibility. I just don't think we'll have it in us.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Herculean. But if you've got a chance, you've got to believe at the same time. So, James, we've ticked off Villa. It's on to the next one and then the next one and so on and so forth. So, we're talking about Spurs turning it on when it is against them, you know, when they're sort of down in the ninth and all that. So, now it really is backs against the walls in terms of that top four race. Is this going to be a case of... Who is going to stand up and be counted between now and
2: the end of the season? Yeah, I think we, we've mentioned it before that it's it's going to be whoever out of those you know those teams just below Man City um, is able to put together some form between now and and the end of the season. And you know, I'm I'm completely with Carl when when you know it, we say that it's probably a little bit it is it is a too big an ask, and and consistency has been the biggest problem with this team, and so. Um, I think the the team that w- that are going to be the most consistent are going to be the team that nicks it. Um, I thought Leicester were, were going to drop off um, with the injuries, but but you know I know it was a cup game, but they look great against Manchester United this weekend, and I, I think they they are really strong contenders. Um, in the same way that United seem to have a, a, a starting eleven which is a little bit more nailed on than ours is we you know we still don't know our, our best back for for instance, uh, and Chelsea are really really starting to motor. They're starting to look like a, a, a really good team again. Um, so I, I'm a little bit worried for us. The, the thing that worries for me is that I know that there are positive results ahead. Um, I know that we're going to win games between now and the end of the season. I, I know that we're going to have good days. Um, but I also know that we're going to have some bad days. I know that we we are going to have games where we're not playing well. We're going to have play- games where we we don't pick up the result that we want, and those those games are going to be the games that that hurt us. Um, so yeah, my my prediction is that you know that we're going to have we are going to have good days in Joseco going forward, um, but we're also going to have more of of the days where we're thinking what are the tactics and what is going on here and. and we're going to be ruining the, the fact that that we have such good attacking talent, but but we just we just can't find a way to utilize it. Um, I don't think we were good against Villa. I think it you know the result has has papered over the cracks um, slightly. Uh, I know that a, a lot of Tottenham fans are struggling to to kind of fall in love with us again this season. You know, I've seen a couple of tweets out there that you know it's it, it was a little bit difficult to celebrate that win against Villa. Knowing that we'd performed so poorly against Arsenal and then had our pants pulled down in midweek so and I was firmly in that boat um, it was it was a little bit difficult to get excited about this win because uh, because the, you know I just felt quite let down by the players this week so it's going to take a, a long time to to kind of build that back I think um, but whether it can be done before the end of the season I'm not sure the cup might well, the the cup will make me obviously a very happy man, um, but other than that, I I can't see much of a positive outcome. Sorry to be uh, sorry to be negative.
1: That's all right, mate. But Brendan, I'm saying you know thirty points, including the Villa game. Obviously, that's the maximum. It's the total amount which some people are thinking. Bloody hell, calm down. It won't need that much. But when you think about it, we're behind Chelsea. We can't really afford to lose a game until if we ever get into the top four. And if we do lose a game being outside the top four, not only is it Chelsea going into the distance, it's a number of other clubs ready to mop up our mistakes. So we really are up against it, aren't we?
3: Yeah, we are. And we only have ourselves to blame, really. If if you look back at some of the drop points through the season, how long ago did that Newcastle draw seem? But again, two points there. The West Ham and three all again. If we'd have won those like we should have. That we would be above Chelsea right now. That's how crazy the season is. And obviously every team drops points and it, it evens out towards the end of the season. But you guys are right. Like there's, there's loads of teams in the mix. There's Everton, there's West Ham. Uh, Chelsea, like since Tuchel comes in, has come in, have been superb. Certainly defensively, they've been immense. So uh, we've really got, got a tough run. I mean, the, the good news, I guess, for us is that we've got a lot of big games out the way. So we played Liverpool twice, played City twice, Our biggest games, I think, will be United at home, Everton I think we have away, and Leicester away. Um, So, I I can't see us beating those teams. And if we do need to win like all nine or or I think maybe if we win six and draw two, lose one, but even then, I I just can't see us being consistent enough to to do that. Fair enough, we don't have the distractions of Europe anymore. Um, (laughs) Like, it's a good thing. Uh, But I just don't think that we're good enough right now. And and I agree with, with James. I think we'll probably get on to Mourinho more in a bit, but it does seem like the game has passed him by. Football is a very dynamic process and the game changes and you have to change with it. If you don't, you get left behind. And it feels like Jose has been left behind and we've uh, we've put all our eggs in his basket and we're 15, minute, 15 years too late.
1: Well, Carl, when you up this season, I don't know, December, we're top of the league, we're in the Europa League, we're in the FA Cup. Fast forward to the other side of Christmas. We're out the FA Cup in a nine-goal thriller. Thursday happens. The league's happening. You know how much disappointment is there compared to a few months ago?
0: Obviously, massively. I mean, obviously, the being the top of the league. You know, I remember we did a pod after that top of the league, and you know, I said to you, Dan, you know, I was I was kind of finding it quite funny the amount of accounts on Twitter that every two minutes are, just check the league table again. Top. <laughs> and it's like, listen, it was eight games, it was eight or something games into the season. And you're thinking, listen, stop crowing right now, because it's not important who's t- your top after eight. You need to be top after 28 or 30 games of the season. And then you really are going to get excited and start thinking we're in with a chance. So the league, you know, the league, I think we felt there was a realistic chance of top four, didn't we? Um, but that was all it was going to be, in my opinion. You know, We all felt the title realistically was going to be out of our reach. Um, so the league has been disappointing, but you know, we're still in with a shout. And if we still made top four, you'd sit there and go, well, the league campaign, if you make top four, you'd go, it would be a success at the end of the day. You, you'd take it because of what it gets you at the end of it. It's the cup competitions that I think now you're sitting there going, well, that is the real disappointment. Yes, we're in the League Cup final, which is great. But the FA Cup and this Europa League now, based on how we've gone out and the sort of, you know, and again, not disrespecting the team we've gone out to, but we really should be getting past that sort of team over two legs. And that really will leave a sour taste because I think we all thought, you know, if we were to get top four and maybe win two trophies, you'd go, that's a monumental season and one that you can then build on. But the fact is now it's all really starting to crumble away and crumbling away where we're kind of, again, meekly going out of these competitions and badly where you think, well, wow, you know, where is all that hope gone Um And yes, we could still come out of it with a League Cup victory at the end of it. But if we was to finish seventh or eighth now and win the League Cup, I don't think any of us would be sitting here saying, well, that's been a good season and one that you can then think, well, let's look forward to the summer and look forward to what happens next season.
1: Well, James, you mentioned the League Cup just a moment ago. With the Nadir of Zagreb on Thursday night, will it take the shine off? Will it even overshadow a potential Carabao Cup
2: win? Uh, no, I, I think if we get the cup over the line, that's going to be massive. You know, um, it's, that's going to get a massive, massive monkey off our back. Um, I think it's what Jose is here to do. Uh, he's here to, to get a cup over the line. Um, if we don't win that, you know, I don't think I don't think anyone's expecting us to win it, for one. let, let Let's just put that out there. Um, but if we don't win it, uh, then I think it, it could be the writing on the wall for, for Jose because that is, that's the reason he's at the club, is to get that, that monkey off our back in, in, in that we haven't won a trophy. I think he, he put, looking at the teams that were left in the Europa League, you'd probably fancy the Europa League over the Carabao Cup. And so I think Jose, he, he, that's why he, he will be so upset at, at, at exiting the Europa League. In that he knew that that was probably his best chance because this man city team is you know is special it 's going to take a lot to beat them, um, whereas the Europa League you were probably looking at beating a couple of teams that we would would be expected to win against and then maybe come up against a tricky team semi final final um, but still you know that's, that man city team is is going to take some beating um, I think the trophy the trophy will take a lot of the shine-off. It will be, you know, when when Arsenal were playing awful under Wenger and they managed to get those FA Cups over the line, you know, it changed the whole outlook of their season. Um, and I think that will be similar to, to what happens with, with Jose. If we do get the trophy over the line, then we will look back at this season and not remember, remember the Europa League exit or remember... How bad we were in the, in the first half an hour against villa it will be you know that 's the season that we won we, we beat a, a fantastic man City team at Wembley and won our p- first piece of silverware for for a ridiculous amount of years so it will change the entire outlook and you know I know personally i 'll be celebrating for days. Um, and, and I know that there'll be a lot of Tottenham fans out there that, that, that are the same as me. It will mean the absolute world to me if we if we get that trophy over the line. Um, after that, you'll have to you'll have to come back to me after that because you know it it's all going to depend on where we're at in the league. If we have completely slumped in the league and and we finish mid table, then come the end of the season, there might be another story to tell whether we've won the cup or not. Um, But for me, getting that trophy over the line is going to mean the absolute world. And and, and that is what Jose is here to do.
1: Well, you make an excellent point. I think another thing to put into the mix here is the insurance policy that we've now lost. Because obviously winning the Europa League, it's not all top four or bust, is it? You've got that backup plan, the backdoor entry, if you will, to use. That's slammed in our face now. And now it is to the point where we've got to win pretty much every Premier League game between now and May. But talking of winning Premier League games, Brennan, let's get back to that Villa game. And with you being in Brazil, let's talk about the boys from Brazil. First up, what did you make of Carlos Vinicius playing further up top and his overall performance? And also after that, the hunger and desire that Lucas offered in what was another impressive showing from the ex-PSG man.
3: Yeah, certainly I was glad to see a lot of uh, love for the Brazilians on social media this weekend, uh, yesterday and Sunday. Um, Yeah, for, for Vinicius, I was surprised he started. I think obviously with Bale being out of favour, Sonny being injured um he, he was due a, a shot and look he i love the guy i don't know if you've seen his uh, his interview his voice chat with lucas moore that the, the, the club posted today uh, It was very emotional talking about how his mum passed away and every time he scored a goal it would be for her and she'd show it off to everyone in the town and now she's passed away he, uh, he's got, what, what's the point in scoring so his sort of muted celebration of the crossed arms is because of that and so uh it was great for him to get his goal. It was, it was a tap-in, um, but it, they all count. And uh, the, the star of the show, though, was clearly Lucas Moura. Uh, he's always given us that. He's always given us the running. But this time, it's, it's, it, the last month, he's been running with purpose. And that's what we wanted to see from him, a sort of end product. He seemed to... Find himself running down rabbit holes uh, for 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 years. <laughs> I mean, he was dining out on Amsterdam for for a couple of seasons, uh, but he he's delivering this this month, and and he has that desire, that effort, that drive, um, and the goal was all his hard work. Or the first goal, sorry, was was that determination. Yeah, but Martinez made a bit of a clangor with his clearance, but there were still loads to do, and uh, Lucas. Did us proud and played it across for, uh, for Vinny to, to score quite an easy goal. So Lucas's performances lately uh, have just been, you, been looking out for some green shoots of positivity. And thankfully, Lucas has given us that. Uh, we'll take it where we can get it. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was good to see the Brazilian boys deliver. And Lucas deservedly got man the match on Sunday.
1: Absolutely. So, Carl, Brennan's just perfectly explained the first goal. Let's discuss the second There's an element of contention in this. Does the contention come from the penalty award itself or the fact that once again it's something relating to Harry Kane and everyone loves to bash him at every opportunity they can?
0: Yeah, that, that's all it is, isn't it? You know, it's Harry Kane's gone down uh, and all the salty other fans in the world who'd all love Harry Kane at their club being their main striker, just want to find some sort of stick to bash him with, um, accuse him of being, you know, a diver and, and, you know, all all that sort of stuff that comes with it. But the reality is, you know, it, it was a stupid and reckless tackle by the defender. You know, yes, at the point where he then collides with Kane, the ball is, is, is gone, if you like. Kane doesn't have it under control. But look, listen, the week before, look at the penalty that gets given at the Emirates. Um, and you'll probably find half the people out today slagging Harry Kane off and and trying to throw, you know, abuse at him for being a diver or whatever, probably weren't making those sorts of comments in that game. You know, the reality is the defender makes a stupid tackle. He didn't need to. He catches Kane and brings him down and he's in the penalty box. So the penalty was given. Um, you only you'd know there was a real misjustice if you know after the game the pundits are talking about it and and going you know mad over it and you know one of the worst decisions they've seen. But everyone who kind of knows football accepted stupid tackle. He brings him down. He's in the penalty box. So end result is it's a penalty. Um, the best thing about it was you just knew he was never missing so the minute the ref points to the spot and VAR gives it as a penalty you sit there and go well 2-0 and that is game done hopefully
1: Job done So James Jamie Weir from Sky made an excellent point on Twitter today so I'm going to copy his homework He said that if Kane was Northern Irish as per Jamie's nationality he'd be lauded in every corner of the country you know he'd be a national god so why does tribalism continue to get in the way of everything that Kane does for Spurs and England?
2: I have absolutely no idea, and it's something that I've I've spoke about to everyone I know, to any, anyone that will listen to me. You know, when when Harry Kane gets on a your side box, yeah, absolutely. When whenever Harry Kane gets a slate in, whenever there's a, a kind of a dodgy decision, well, not even dodgy because it was a stonewall penalty. Um, any any kind of decision like this one that that the Harry the Harry Kane hate brigade comes out. You know, Sky for some reason of have got an absolute agenda against the guy. Um, I have got, personally, I've got loads of mates who who despise Harry Kane, even though he, you know, he's he's never done anything, in my book, he's never done anything wrong. There's plenty of footballers out there you can look at and go, yeah, fair enough. He's a bit of an arsehole, so I don't like him. But Harry Kane, he, he, he goes out there, you know, every week for Spurs. He, he gets the job done. He pulls on the England shirt. He gets the job done there as well. And these are the guys who are going to be, you know, the the first ones to chuck their pint in the air when Harry Kane scores at the Euros. Absolutely, you know, it's, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna change. And for some reason, it is you're right. It's because it's because he's English. If he if he was yeah any other nationality, he'd have a statue outside the ground by now. Um, you know look at what he's done done for for his country. he was golden boot at, at the last world cup whether you know whether it was a good one or not, he's still got it um moments like that that last minute header against Tunisia you know he's he he is an absolutely quality player and also you know like I mentioned, he isn't someone that's is easy to hate he He goes out there he keeps himself to himself he's never in the press for any kind of uh, any bad kind of reasons. Um, and he's he's a, he's a perfect role model to to every any young footballer out there that you know he, he's he's worked hard and he's got where he is today because he, because of that hard work. So, the, in all honesty, of well, James, there's absolutely no reason
0: why people hate him. Yeah, James, no. it's, it's not unrealistic to say, is it? This year, he's in with a running for the Ballon d'Or. Hundred percent. Given absolutely. the season and the year he's had, he must be in the running for the Ballon d'Or because Messi's not hit the heights that, you know, he normally would, nor is Ronaldo, who else would you look at in terms of numbers and say, well, who has been, or right now, is one of the best players on the planet? And if you weren't putting Harry Kane in that top bracket, then I'm afraid, you you know, football-wise, your opinion is questionable because whether or not he plays for your team, and let's face it, We all have players we don't like. You know, Cesc Fabregas, I hated the guy because of who he played for. But at the same time, the, the the football lover in me could look and go, what a class player he is, though. You know, what I'd give not to have him in my team every week doing what he does for those teams he's playing for. And it's the same now with players like Kevin De Bruyne. He might not play for your team and you might try to give him some stick to put him off. But ultimately, you should have respect for the fact that this guy, when it comes to playing football, is one of the best there is, given what he does week in, week out. Um, and as James said, it is shocking because half of these people will be singing his name if he wins, if he gets the winner in a European final this summer.
1: Well, the way that people go on the social media, you'd think that Kane acts like Pete Suarez, you know, going around biting people. Do you know what I mean? He's an absolute saint, just in his nature. So, as James says, what on earth does he do wrong? Like, nothing. I don't know if it's just the laziness or the speech impediment. You know, it's an easy stick to beat him with. But we're so far down the line from that. It's like, are people still using that as a a way to get him? But the way you silence your critics is by scoring goals. And he keeps doing it. And he keeps answering critics. And people find these weird arguments to say, oh, he's not all that. And, you know, and you just think, what kind of lens are you watching your football through? Because it's just so wrong. But, Brendan, that's enough about my soapbox. I just want to get your take on... David Ormstein's comments, because before the game, he said that Kane privately wants to leave this summer. Obviously, he's not said this. Now, the, he also said that Kane's come to the acceptance that that won't happen due to the astronomical fee that Levy will place on his head. Do you think there's any shred of truth to this, or are we getting close to transfer city season?
3: Just on the um, other fans not liking him, yeah. um, I think on the, when he was AFTV, the, the Voldemort guy, Lee, oh, um, Lee Judges, when he went- yeah, he went crazy, I think, because he talks about him backing into defenders. Like, he's the first ever player to do it in the history of football. It's part of the game. He's, he's creating space for himself. He's not deliberately going out to, to her players. But that's one of the, the, the criticisms of him that's come for that. But, yeah, like like everyone said, it's, it's, it's come from jealousy because uh, he's such a class player. He's, he's generational talent. We're so lucky to have him. In terms of him leaving, he's certainly not leaving this summer. Uh, I think that, and he has come to accept that. I think he genuinely does love the club he's he's comfortable where he's where he is I don't think he'd he'd want to sort of move overseas he's a family guy um so I think he's frustrated I think we all are right now but there's no way a team can pay the money like we said that that Levy would want for him um I think that certainly this season we've got I think he's got what another 3 4 years still in his current contract so there's no way a team can come in and pay the money that that, that, we, that Levy would demand. So it's it's a non-starter for me. He's not going anywhere. Uh, certainly not this season. Next season, I think, will probably be the last chance for us to get him some silverware uh, that he deserves. Um, this season, we're kind of hoping that we get something this season. And yet we do have the chance in the Carabao. Uh, but we, we do need to start delivering for him uh, to keep him happy. Because I think after next season, then that might be... The time to start worrying, but certainly not certainly not right now. Certainly not for the fee uh, that, that Levy would demand for him and the current climate in terms of finances uh, globally because of COVID. Uh, I, I just can't see it happening uh, this, this season at all.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree. There's not enough in the pot for clubs to even get Kane. So that's a non-starter. Just a few notes I want to sort of go through to mop up the Villa game. Carl, let's make a case for the defence. And you have to say, a very strong one. I know uh, Sergio Region went off with an injury after what, about an hour or so. So let's look at the other three. And you'd have to say they played really well.
0: Oof. Tough one, Dan, because I'd say in the first half, for me, I would have had Sanchez off after about 20 minutes because I think he looked all over the shop, um, you know, and there was a certain point where the ball was played into one of the channels and he just blatantly went and smashed the man from behind. And it, and it was like a scared boy thinking, I don't want to have to defend against you here, so I'm just going to smash you in the back, give a free kick away. So I, I wasn't that impressed with the defending in the first half. I thought we looked kind of shaky. And And it looked like a defence that had kind of three players thrown into it all of a sudden. But they kind of regrouped and gathered themselves. And the only standout one from that back four for me yesterday really was Tanganga. You know, I thought he he did have a terrific game um, at right back. And although that's not where I want to see him play ultimately... I think now, right now to the rest of the season, I think that one performance at the weekend has kind of sold me on the fact that I'd put him and play him there for the rest of the season now because I think he's head and shoulders above the other two options. Um, But in the second half, they kind of got themselves, you know, they, they kind of got themselves a little bit more solid. I still think, you know, Sanchez just kind of gets himself done a little bit too easy by being too eager to try and go and win the ball. And sometimes you've got to learn there are times where you can just stand off, let the, you know, you can let the player win the ball sometimes and still defend from there sensibly, where I think he sometimes just wants to go and commit, thinking he always has to win the ball no matter what. Um Will it, Will it? would that defence be able to cope um, going forward? I'm still not so sure. It still doesn't fill me with confidence. But a clean sheet will do them the world of good. And who knows, you know, maybe if they get a solid run together, then we might see some improvements from what we've seen.
1: James, Carl's just mentioned Tanganga. He's in the notes. So for me, I think he's played his way to the top of the queue. It's not been the most difficult battle to do so in terms of right-backs. But would you be happy if he played there between now and the end of the season?
2: Yeah, to me it's an absolute no brainer. Um, you know, as long as Tanganga can stay fit, which is which is obviously um, you know, something that he struggled with, uh he he has to make that spot his own. Um Jose has has, has clearly shown that he hasn't got any faith in, in Aurier or and uh Doty and and he's absolutely right not to. Um I think I think Aurier, would be uh, a, a good player to keep in and around the, in and around the squad and 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 to keep, you know, on the, on the books. Um, but Dioty, I, I just I don't I don't see how he's ever going to be um, a, a solid out and out right back for us. So you know, if there's any chance that we can cut our losses on him, um, I think that'd be a, you know a great thing to do in the summer. Uh, but in terms of Tanganga, you know, he's he's playing. Some really mature football for for a guy who is who is still so young, um, and I I I still would love to see him get a few games at, at centre half. I think hopefully you know if he's getting consistent games at right back, then you know if he's if he's playing at the peak of his fitness, then hopefully we, you know we can get him a few minutes at centre half as well um, because I think that that's that's where his future is. I think he's gonna he could be a really really good centre back for us um but in ter- you know in terms of that that cue that you mentioned he's head and shoulders above and, and he hasn't really had to do too much um but you know for me it, we need players like Tanganga now to 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 really get us out of this rut you know i think everyone t- seen that clip that the, the 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 spurs twitter account has posted um today that was him throwing himself in front of the ball uh in you know in the dying minutes against villa um, Ben Davis too, you know, you, like, give him credit. He's he's absolutely thrown himself at that ball. But then you've got players like Sissoko who who, you know, he's been on the pitch for I think eight minutes when that when that clip was was recorded and he is absolutely just walking along. And you know, Tanganga's probably on I know I know it doesn't mean too much, but Tanganga's probably on a third of the wages that, that, that Sissoko's on. He's he, he you know, he bleeds Tottenham clearly. And we need players like that right now who are going who are going you know stand up and be counted because it's a difficult time for the club um and as well as that commitment he's he's also a really really talented footballer um you know he's he's great on the ball which is something that that a lot of our defenders struggle with having you know having the ball at our feet uh, but for you know for me that that defense is still lacking that that leader um especially the the g o of uh, of Roden and and and, uh, and Sanchez, I I I didn't I wasn't the biggest fan. Um, you know whether they kept a clean sheet or not, I, I didn't I wasn't the biggest fan of that. Uh, to me, it has to be either Tanganga and Toby or, or Roden and Toby, because I think they really missed that that kind of marshal, um, someone who's going to talk to them all game, uh, and and help them out. Um, but Tanganga, yeah, has has to be you know involved. In some capacity, in in pretty much every game going forward now, he's he's proven that to us.
1: Okay, Brendan, you get the final point. I just want to get a note on Jose's post match words for Sunday. What did you make of his Villa comments regarding his sadness? Sadness that comes from Spurs only turning it on when the knives are sharpened.
3: Yeah, and it was. I think it was Carl was saying earlier. Like, what do we believe? Like, are we? Do we believe that he? Uh... He he genuinely wants the players to press or that they are that do they are they not following his instructions normally? Um so yeah, it was the win, the three points was, was incredible. I really wasn't expecting it. Certainly when I saw the lineup, I really did think that was last chance saloon from Jose and because uh, Los Celso, he's he's nowhere near match fit to, to start a Premier League. And I uh, a Premier League match. Um but yeah, for for Jose, those the, the, the post match comments Okay. I'm a bit similar to James. I, I don't pay over, overly too much attention to them because it, a lot of the time it is uh, cryptic, it is guarded. Uh, but it was it, he he did say that we uh, we we will fight on, and that uh, the the players did respond. Uh, it just it was it was a weak Villa team, and uh, like we said, without Grealish, there's not much there to go on. So it was it was just. A welcome three points, but still didn't make up for the, the previous two results, uh, in my opinion. So Jose um, can, can say what he want about the team, but for me, uh, there's, there's a lot of work to, still to be done.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, in no way does it absolve the two defeats before. It's just a nice end to the week, because if we didn't, A, not only is it three defeats in a row, but it's also a defeat going into the international break. And I couldn't be dealing with two weeks of a rather toxic Twitter platform because it would be awful. So Mm. at least there is that solace to take. There's no predictions to finish the show this week because it is international break, which means next week we're still back with a show. It's the return of the world famous Stick or Twist. You know the drill. We're going to go through the squad, who stays, who goes. So make sure you tune in for that one. And now it's straight to the admin. And it's as simple as thanking my three pod squad members. So Brendan, thanks for joining us from the other side of the Atlantic tonight. I hope you enjoyed that one.
3: Love it, mate. Thank you for having me, Dan. Uh, Good chatting with you, James, Carl, Dan. Uh, Pleasure to join you guys, as always.
1: Top man. James, a sternly return this evening. Thanks for joining me once more. Always a pleasure. Same again next week. Thanks, guys. Cheers, mate. And Carl, thanks for running the channels this evening around the captain's armband. I hope you'll be with me next Monday.
0: Yeah, really enjoyed it, Dan. Thanks to Brendan and James for coming on, as, as always. So great chatting football with you, you guys. And look forward to next Monday. And, as like you say, this could be a real interesting one.
1: Yes, I think it's going to be our most interesting topic of this one yet. So, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on, you Spurs.
0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you for match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free KOIS app now
2: from the App Store and Google Play.